just come before you this morning and we want to say thank you for the privilege of assembling together in your name. Lord, we want to thank you for your word and we want to ask that the songs that we sing would be pleasing in your sight and acceptable as part of our worship to you. Lord, I pray for the sermon this morning that it would direct our hearts and enlighten our understanding that we could have a, a better grasp upon your word and, and that it would better direct us how to live for you through this coming week. We pray for the time of invitation that, Lord, we would surrender to the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. We pray that you would be with the offering that we would gladly bring to you that as part of our worship. Lord, we ask that you would be pleased and honored and glorified in what is done here, and that our time here would be profitable for our service to you through this coming week. Lord, we pray for these things nearly every week, but this is the whole purpose as to why we are here. We ask once again that you would grant us your presence and power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love that song. Goes so well with the theme of our auditorium. It is finished. And that song talks directly about that. It was finished on the cross. Amen. And of course, the question needs to be asked, rather rhetorically, if it was actually finished on the cross, then why is 99% of everything called religion today trying to finish what Jesus already did? I just don't... Uh, don't comprehend that. Don't want to comprehend that. Because it is finished on the cross. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, though I didn't expressly plan it this way, we're uh, dealing with the subject of faith again. And uh, last week was what faith does. Actually, the story of Abraham. And, and this week, I'd just like to treat the subject... Of blind faith. That is a statement that the world loves to use. Um, their favorite time to invoke that phrase is whenever we bring God into the conversation. Uh, uh, people will say, well, the problem is religion. And, and I will often say, if I have the opportunity, I agree with you 100%. The problem is false religion. True religion does not cause problems. It solves them. It solves them in your life personally. It solves them in the society in which you live. True religion, true faith in the true God is the answer. It's just that most people don't want it. And, and as we will find... Uh, the reason they don't want it is because they don't want what God truly has to offer them. You know, until you take what God has, you will never understand how bad, how insufficient, how weak, how ignorant, how unfaithful each of us as individuals truly are. I love the way my preacher, Brother Thompson, said it. He knows everything about me. But he still loves me. You see, that's the God of the Bible. He doesn't need anybody to help him love us. He is love. And the world loves to use this phrase, blind faith. But, could I ask you who is really blind? Now this happened, oh, sometime during the first term of our current president. 
a bunch of people had gotten together. And this was a basic statement. It was printed in the newspapers and things under various wording and stuff. But, you know, if Joseph Stalin had only had the information director that was serving in the White House at the present time and only had the technology that we had today, communism would have actually worked. Uh, That was a statement that was made. Now, let me ask you a question. We have people in this room that used to live under communism. Did communism work? Communism only works for the communist. And even then, it really doesn't work. Any honest person would tell you that communism does not, cannot, never will work. It's the ravings of a mad lunatic named Karl Marx, who did not even have enough sense to feed his own children and change his own clothes. That's the personal history of the man who developed the philosophy that underlies the present-day social ideal of communism. He was a failure in every measure of a human being, and he wrote a philosophy that would have solved all of his problems. All he needed was everybody else to do everything for him. That that sounds pretty good, right? I'll tell you what. I enjoy good food. How many of you do? But I want to eat it myself. One of the most dangerous places in this world is between a Baptist and his food. Amen? We won't put the feminine pronoun in there. We'll be nice to the ladies today. but No less dangerous place. But you, you let me eat on my own. I, I think I can handle that. Now, little Pamela, she's just learning how to eat. And, and it was so much fun over Christmas because... Grandpa got to feed her and all that stuff and watching that little tongue just go, that was just hilarious. I enjoy that stuff. And uh, when she gets a little older, she's not going to want somebody to put food in her mouth. She'll, She'll take care of that all on her own. Do you get the point? You don't want people to do everything for you. You want to have your own life. You want to live. And that, that's what faith really is all about. And, and they blow this, throw this phrase, oh, you just have blind faith. Well, how could you be more blind in your faith than to think communism would actually work if I were the one running it? That's our present day political philosophy of the powers that be in the United States at this time. I met a guy, he's been arguing different things. He just refuses to believe in God. Um, And and, uh, if I were to call his name, some of you would know him. He wanders up and down the streets of Astoria longer than I've been here. And every once in a while, two or three days ago, I was out running some errands. Oh, pastor! And I'm sitting here going, who's? Oh, my old friend! He says, it's going to happen. That's what he always says. I, I told you, it's going to happen. I, I told you, it was already written in the Bible. Oh, I know all the Bible. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I just keep the conversation short because he doesn't want Bible. He, he wants people to think that he's smart because he figured out the world's going to end up in a mess. Uh, you don't have to have faith to do that. And he says, what's happened to America? I said, well, what's happened to America is what happens to a country when you put communists in charge. He looked at me and thought about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, okay, well. Uh, but what more faith, how more blind can you be than to try the most failed political system in the history of mankind? But we're going to try it again. Let me tell you something. Faith has to be blind. Because if you can see it, Is there any faith left? Read it with me, Hebrews chapter 1. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, when we, have, when we use that word substance, we're talking about reality. We're talking about something you can put your hands on. Uh, sometimes uh, in building, they, they use the word substrate. That's the underlying uh, level of foundation or flooring that holds up the finish floor. But the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence Now, if you went into a court of law and said, I have evidence to present. And the judge said, please state or show your evidence. Oh, I'm sorry, my evidence is invisible. How far do you think you would get? Uh, the judge would not would throw you out of the court. And if you persisted, he would find you on contempt of court because nobody believes in invisible evidence. It's got to be something real. Well, faith is the evidence. It is the reality of things you cannot see. A very simple illustration of that is if you look up, you see lots of light bulbs. 128, actually. Every one of them burning 60 watts of power. And you wonder why our electric bill is so high around here. But, you know what? The light is the evidence of something you cannot see. It's the evidence that Con Ed is charging us for the electricity uh, that is powering those lights. And at the end of every month, we get a bill from Con Ed that proves that that unseen electricity flowed through those wires unseen. And let me tell you something, electricity is something best left unseen. How many of you have ever seen electricity? Uh, you hook the wires up wrong and plug it in and poof, you're going to see electricity. Uh, I don't want to see it. I, I like it. But I'm, I'm glad that it works. Uh, I believe that it works. And that's why I keep my finger out of the socket and out of the switch box. Amen? Uh, yet, here's faith. People negatively argue with us about blind faith. But look at verse 2. It says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. And we're going to talk about some men that are listed here in Hebrews chapter 11. We don't have time to go through all of them, of course. But we, we are going to list some of them. And, and, and the author of the book of Hebrews is telling us, here's what faith is. It is the substance. It is the reality. It is the physical being of things that you hope for. It is evidence that can be submitted in court, that can be proved on things that you cannot see. And just so you wonder what kind of faith this is, this is the way, this is the means that these elders, that these men, great men of the past, have obtained Uh, have uh, reckoned in their standing a good report. We're going to look at Noah. You know what? Noah was a good man. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to look at Abraham. Isn't it strange that three quarters of the world's population is fighting over Abraham? The religion of Islam believes they are Abraham's descendants. The religion of the Jewish people today believes that they are Abraham's descendants. Uh, the Bible-believing Christians, by the things that are taught in the Bible, says we are the children of Abraham through faith. It's an amazing thing that Abraham is such a great man, 
Somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population wants to claim a relationship with him. That, that makes him pretty important, doesn't it? How about Moses? Did Moses obtain a good report? I mean, there's not very many people that are writing negative things about Moses. I, I don't know. There may be some Egyptians. His story has... You know how they put that little thing in there? Uh, no animals were injured in the telling of this story or something, in the testing of this product. Well, there were a lot of Egyptians damaged in Moses' lifetime. Maybe there's some Egyptians writing nasty things about Moses, but I don't know very many. Uh, I don't know of any. And the simple thing is, the Bible tells us that these men have obtained a good report by this thing called faith. And it's going to be illustrated in these verses, and we're going to get a biblical pattern for establishing faith. Because there's an awful lot that goes for faith that truly is blind. Because it's not rooted and grounded in the substance and the evidence that true faith has. That's why I bring the illustration. I hope you don't mind me getting a little political here, but you need to, we have a real living illustration. We have people who actually believe and practice the tenets of communism and thinking that they're going to do something good in this world. I'll tell you, what could be more blind than that? The only people that are more blind than that are the people who disagree with verse 3. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. My favorite little joke is the scientist came to God. Of course, the scientist and God being together in the same room, you know that that's a joke, right? No. True science always agrees with the Bible. False science disagrees. But this guy says, listen... Uh, scientists, we've all had a meeting here and we believe that we finally come to the point where we don't need God anymore. God said, would you like to have a man-making contest? And the scientist said, sure. He reaches down and picks up a handful of dirt. God says, get your own dirt. I, I just like that. You see, we can do an awful lot with what God's given us, but where did it all come from? The Big Bang. I thought that was a stupid, dirty TV show. I hear advertisements for this thing all the time, but the, the Big Bang is where everything came from. Well, let me ask you a question. Where did all of the matter come from? that congealed together and super-compressed itself until it blew up. You see, if you refuse to believe in the God of the Bible, and I've said this many times before, and I hope you don't mind me repeating it today, if you refuse to believe in the God of the Bible, then dirt has to be your God. In fact, if you've read the... the um, uh, don't recommend that you read the fiction, the Golden Compass, and, and the equivalent novels. That dust is the god of the Golden Compass. Now they didn't. The author didn't listen to me preach a sermon, and I didn't get my idea from them. It's just that they're together because, see, the ultimate end of reason is if you refuse to believe in the God of the Bible, making everything out of nothing, then you have to believe that matter. Dirt is eternally existent. Hence, God. And that's where you'll ultimately come to. You have to make a choice. You see, we believe that God made everything out of things that do not appear. How many of you know about atoms and molecules? How many millions of atoms are in this bulletin copy right here? And if I could tear one little corner off 
and somehow release the energy that those atoms, that holds those atoms together. I obliterate an entire block in New York City. But I want you to understand something. Very beneficial, very good for you, very good for me. Paper is an atomically stable item. It's not going anywhere. You can't release that energy. It's sealed up. You know what the Bible says? It says it's the power of Jesus that keeps those atoms together functioning the way they do. Aren't you glad about that? It says one day he's going to let go. It says the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. He's going to fold it up like a garment. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a perfect world. No sin. You know what? We will not have need of one politician in eternity. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thought? There will be no rules and regulations at the building department. If you know what we're fighting, trying to get, yes, some bricks put back into place, you would know what we're talking about. But here's what the Bible says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. You see, we understand... Things are made out of order and in an orderly fashion. No one in their right mind would agree that a cement truck and a brick truck were driving opposite ways on 35th Street and had a wreck and the shell of the building went up. I mean, does that make any sense to anybody? Where'd the stained glass come from if that happened that way? And yet, how ultimately more complicated is the human body? And yet, this building could not possibly get here by chance, and yet you did? Ask me who's blind. People want to argue from order and from arrangement. It's called teleology. And uh, it's the study of the order and synchronization things proving that someone had to put it together. Uh, Listen, here's the substance. The substance of believing that God created the world is just to look up into the stars at night is to read all of the NASA reports. How many billions of dollars has NASA spent trying to find life in outer space? Let me tell you, there's a lot of life in outer space, but NASA isn't going to find it. Uh, I don't know where heaven actually is and where God is, but it's out there somewhere, amen? Uh, There's life all around us that we can't see. But you're not going to find it unless you go looking for it in the pages of this book called the Bible. And we have three patterns that we're going to pick today. Let's start in, in, in verse uh, 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 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen. Now, you have to read your Bible and understand that there were some things that Noah was not familiar with. Do you know that Noah did not know what a boat was? He didn't know what an ark was. He didn't know what rain was. It had never rained. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that God said, or 2 that God had a mist come up from the ground and water the earth. If you want some really interesting study... There's been some scientific models built by scientists who believe the Word of God on the fact that the earth was like a giant terrarium before the flood. 
How many of you have ever built a terrarium in fourth grade? And, and, and you sprinkle water in there and the water evaporates and condenses on the top and it makes its own little world. And, uh, and people said, one of these days we can make our own little worlds. Well, the problem is, if you have a terrarium, you've got to open it every once in a while and add some more water now, don't you? You know what you also do when you open it? is you let all the carbon dioxide, uh, I mean, all of the oxygen that the plants have made, and let in more carbon dioxide so they can absorb it. Uh, because there's a, a process there that God invented that the plants are one of the cleansers of our atmosphere. God did all of these things. Noah didn't know. It took him 120 years to build that boat. Do you know that we didn't build a ship... As mankind, as society, there's no record of any ship the size of Noah's Ark being built again until 1888 with the Queen Mary I. That's modern history, my friend. That was the first time that man had built a ship. And by the way, how many of you have ever seen... Uh, the barges, the flotilla barges going up and down the East River and up and down the Hudson River, the uh, fuel oil and coal and gravel and trash and all of those things. Do you know that the dimensions of every barge that has ever been built are the exact same proportions, not the exact same size, of course, but the exact same proportions as God built into Noah's Ark, that it is the most stable uh, 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 plan to build a ship. Do you think that surprised God? Do you think he didn't know this? Uh, do you think Noah understood all this? Did God say, okay, Noah, uh, you got to enroll in MIT, get a degree in engineering, and, and then I want you to go to the Carpenters College and learn what gopher wood is. And uh, somebody said, what in the world is gopher wood? I, I don't know. I have a feeling, and I'm probably wrong on this, but... It was just the name that whatever the tree was that they were looking at that Noah's sons started calling it because Noah was all the time saying, go for wood, boys. Amen. Little joke. But they built that ark according to God's dimensions. It had never rained. There was no such thing as a flood. Now, how stupid do you think everybody, Noah's neighborhood, neighbors thought Noah was as he's building this ark? Uh, the Bible says they mocked him, that he preached righteousness for 120 years. And the only converts that he had were his three sons and their wives and his own wife. Eight people total. And we think things are going slow at North Brooklyn. You know what? We'll just trust God. Amen? Noah did what he did by faith because God said, I want you to do this. What was the substance of Noah's faith? Uh, the words of God. God gave him directions. He gave him uh, ingredients. He gave him the different components that would make this up. And he told him to make it. And so Noah made it. And everybody thought Noah was crazy, I'm sure. Could you imagine the building inspector showing up? You're not allowed to put this building up in your backyard. He said, not a building, it's a boat. Oh, okay, then we have no jurisdiction. A boat? What in the world is a boat? Well, it floats on water. It's going to rain. What's rain? Well, rain is where water falls down out of the sky like it's doing right now. It has never rained, and it never will. Now, let me ask you a question. Five minutes after God opened the windows of heaven and the fountains of the deep, how smart was Noah in the estimation of all of his friends? Enemies, I should say. Do you get this? Until the rain came, Noah was the dumbest guy in the world. 
You talk about blind faith. Uh, Noah had blind faith. Would you agree with me? But see, his faith was based upon substance. The Word of God. And see, he had evidence. He could look at creation and say, God made this. If God says he's going to destroy it, I better get ready. Five minutes after the door closed and the rain started, Noah is now the wisest man, the most perceptive man, the most foresighted man in the history of mankind. In fact, he and those that are with him on the ark are going to be the only survivors of every living thing on the planet that breathes air. You see, Noah did that by faith. The Bible says he was moved by fear. You know, that's one of the problems is we're more afraid of our friends than we are of God. We're more afraid of what people will think of us than we are of what God thinks of us. We're more afraid. How many times have I heard people say this? What would I do if God calls me to eat monkey brains in Africa? And I said, do you feel that God's calling you to be a missionary? Well, no, but what would I do if he did? I said, well, don't worry about it. He's not calling you. On the other hand, I've had some people uh, over the years come up and say, Pastor, uh, I, I, I think I want to be a preacher, but I don't know for sure. Well, let me help you understand something. The devil will never put in your heart a desire to be a pastor. He doesn't need any more. It's God that puts that desire in your heart. Now, if you have a desire to find new revelation and develop your own cult or to go against clear things that are written in the Bible, well... Again, we now have evidence that you don't belong in the ministry. Is that so hard? If you can't fulfill the biblical requirements, then that's not a biblical response. You know, this whole idea of being the husband of one wife, uh, that's simply why we don't believe in lady preachers. Because you'd have to break a lot of other commandments before you got there. It's just simply that true. And you have to live right. And you have to follow what the Bible says. That's, that's why we go to church. is because that's what Jesus left us. His followers added to the Bible. And he gave us a church. That's how we're supposed to serve him until he comes back. You know what? It surely seemed like Noah had lost all sense till the rain started. Faith. You see, he had evidence that God always did what he said. And he had the substance. He was walking on this good green earth and he had enough sense. He hadn't been educated. He hadn't had someone help him in stupidity. I really believe that that's something that most people need help with, believe it or not. You you can't be that dumb by mistake. Somebody's got to train you. You've got to learn not to believe in God. You've got to learn to reject the things that are in this book. Praise God, Noah didn't have a philosophy professor. He just believed God. Sure looked like he was dumb, but then the rain started. And the Bible says he became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. 
You see, ladies, this is a scriptural admonition that your husband should not ask for directions. Abraham went out not knowing whether he went. Amen? Uh, Just a little joke there. But the simple truth is, God told Abraham to go. Abraham went. Abraham didn't know where he was going. But it tells us in verse 10, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Did Abraham ever find that city he was looking for? No. You know, when he died, the only thing in the promised land that Abraham owned was a cave. And that cave was used to bury his wife. Later, himself. In the following years, his son Isaac and Isaac's wife Rebecca, Jacob, Jacob's wife Leah, would all be buried in the cave of Machpelah. By the way, we know right where it is. It's one of the most sacred sites in the entire land of Israel. It's held sacred by Islam. It's held sacred by the Christians. Held sacred by the Jews. Now, why did Abraham get this special position of honor? Because he just followed God's word. He lived in tents. Now, his tent was not like the one you buy at Walmart to go or Kmart to go on a camping trip, okay? Uh, it was made out of animal skins and it was, it was very comfortable and, and, and all of those things, but it was still a tent. And he moved it from time to time. It was a temporary dwelling. You see, Abraham understood something. That city that he's looking for has foundations. How many of you remember reading about the new Jerusalem that descends down out of heaven? It's got 12 foundations. That's what Abraham was looking for. And Abraham is accorded a place. And he did other things. And last Sunday we spent the whole sermon on the testing with Isaac. How that Abraham just simply believed God by faith and God worked in Abraham's life in a very special way. We're going to read one more. Verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he's a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Have you ever had anybody say, Ah, you just believe in heaven and pie in the sky by and by. That's one of their little phrases they just love to use when they run out of anything else unintelligent to say. I'm going to have more pie in heaven, I'll tell you that. I'm going to be able to see Jesus. I'm going to be able to fall down and worship at his feet. Let me tell you something. I will never have to fight with me to do right again. And I'll never have another person hinder me trying to worship God. Stop and think about that. It's going to be a wonderful place, is it not? Moses made a choice. Mother's Day, several years ago, I preached a sermon on Zipporah. That's Moses' mother. No, not Zipporah, I'm sorry. I said it wrong. But preached a sermon on Moses' mother... 
If I remember it, I, uh, I'll say it. If I don't, well, forgive me. You can look it up later. There we go. Thank you, sir. And uh, she had Moses. She nursed him, took care of him until he was weaned. That's the only place in Moses' life where we can understand that he was exposed to faith of the God of the Hebrews. And yet, when he was 40 years old, according to Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and identified with the people of Israel. The writer of Hebrews says, he chose to suffer affliction than the pleasures of sin for a season. Why did he do that? The Bible says by faith. You see, he had some substance. He had evidence. We don't know how much substance and evidence we ha- he had. It could not have been a lot. But it had to have been enough to ignite faith in the life of that little child. He could not have been any more than four or five years old when he was turned over to Pharaoh's daughter to raise him and instruct him in all the learning and the wisdom of the Egyptians. But that seed of faith overcame all of that false teaching and philosophy and worldlessness and godlessness. And Moses chose to follow God. Had a hard time doing it. Moses' life summed up in three sentences. Forty years learning he was somebody in the house of Pharaoh. Forty years learning he was nobody in the wilderness. And forty years learning that only when you follow God does anything count for anything. That's the life of Moses. You see, these three men... Well, let's finish Moses. He kept the Passover by faith. He walked through the Red Sea by faith. The Bible tells us it's not mentioned specifically here, but by faith he spent 40 days and 40 nights with God on Mount Sinai two different times to bring the laws of God to the nation of Israel. Now I want to challenge you then in all the history of mankind, not one set of laws has ever been developed by man that can approach to the simplicity and the truth that's in the Ten Commandments. Could we say amen to that? Several years ago, I was called in for jury duty. And... Uh, The lady prosecutor saw on my application as we were in the box for questioning. Uh, It says here you're a minister. Uh, Do you think you could actually sit in judgment of another human being and and decide whether they are guilty or not? And I thought it was an honest question, so I just answered. I said, you know, as a pastor, I said, it's part of my job to take things that are in this book called the Bible and evaluate world events and to make a judgment on that and help people understand how the Bible applies to everyday truth. I don't believe I'd have any problem doing that. Here was her rejoinder. You can't use the Bible in this court. And I said, well, last time I checked, every law in this country is based on the Ten Commandments. I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. The whole courtroom erupted into laughter, and I got high-fived by the bailiff on the way out. (laughs) Well, that was pretty cool. But you know, I haven't been called back since. (laughs) Something I'm not asking to get called back, honest, but... You see, the simple truth of the matter is even the world recognizes how great a man Moses was and how great and simple the Ten Commandments are. And he brought them to the nation of Israel directly from God by faith. 
Now let me ask you a question. Not one of these guys saw what was coming. Noah had no idea what this ark was going to do, how it was going to work. Till after the rain fell. All of a sudden, Noah became the smartest man in the history of the world. He was the only guy prepared. By the way, if you hear those ads talking about, you need to be prepared when a crisis happens, I'm not against having an emergency plan, uh, but don't build bunkers in your basement and, and store up 10 years of food and arms and aim. Don't You meet one of those people, get away from them, okay? Uh, they're just not all right. The Bible doesn't tell me to get prepared for what's going to happen. It tells me to serve God today. See, that's faith. It tells me to serve God through His church. How can you tell whether it's the right kind of church? It's very simple. Just get out this book and check it out. Amen? You know, I've had many people over the years say, Well, Pastor, I, I just disagree with you. I said, You're more than welcome to disagree with me. I said, My opinion is no more worthy than your opinion. But if I'm telling you what the Bible says, then it's your duty to get your opinion fixed. Because this is the Word of God. And this is right. Someone says, you're so dogmatic. Will you yell at me if I come into your office and ask you a question? Nobody ever asked that, but they, they do kind of, sort of. Say, no, I don't yell at people in my office most of the time. Amen? I don't want to. I never want to do that. Now, if you're a salesman that walks in during a wedding and says, I want to have a meeting with you, I'm sorry. We had that happen. I'm out there greeting guests for a wedding, and here comes a salesman. I just want to talk with you five minutes. I said, pack your bags and just get out of here. Hey, well, I'll be back next week. I said, don't bother coming back next week. By the way, what's the name of your company? Because we're not doing business with you. I don't do business with that kind of Would you? How ridiculous can you get? But let me tell you something. You want to serve God? You got to find out what the Bible says. I'm glad I don't, but sometimes I wish I had a dollar for every time some worldling called me stupid. I'd be rich. But you know what? I don't want it here on earth. I'll take it when I get to heaven. I've had people, when I was a young man getting ready to go to Bible college, you, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer. Yeah, I could be a, I could, I could be a doctor and, and put out a business by Obamacare. Oh, great. That's happening. Listen, I'm where I am because I was obedient to the Word of God. I wouldn't trade it for ten lifetimes. I want to serve God. You see, those guys got a good report because they just lived by faith. Would you like a good report? And live by faith. Get saved. The Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, doesn't everybody? No. The Bible says there's few that find that straight and narrow gate. But you've got to, sometimes you've got to fight to enter in. If you're saved, next step is get baptized. Next step is to serve in the local church. And you know what? Serving in the local church. We have all this stuff in the world talking about teamwork. At the bank, how many times have you heard the word teamwork? Every day. We're part of a team in the sales. Teamwork, teamwork. You know the best teamwork in the world is right here in this church. This church not only supported itself last year, 
but gave over $100,000 to missions all over the world. And we don't have any rich people giving huge amounts. What we have is a lot of people giving what God tells them to. And he works the miracles to make it a lot. You know why we're messing with this building in Brooklyn? Oh, it's because Pastor loves building. You've got to be kidding me. I've had enough building the last two lifetimes. You know why we're interested in doing this work? It's because we want to save the history of a church that was started by people who love God and serve God. And their history is well worth our effort because God says He wants His church to continue until He comes. Amen? That's not too hard to figure out, is it? What are you going to do by faith? The elders received a good report because they did it God's way. And if you have a question on what God's way is, I'll be out of town this week, but I'm still available by cell phone most of the time, but we'll set up an appointment when I get back and take whatever time it takes to explain to you what God's way is, whatever your questions are. The Bible has the answers. Get saved, baptized, you serve the Lord through His church. That's how simple it is. Don't look for anything bigger than what the Bible tells us to look for. That's faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would help our hearts to zero in on this thing called faith. And Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts and lives that we could be counted by you as being faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes to lead us in the hymn of invitation.